welcome back to Youth Group Radio. It's good to be back. I do hope this podcast finds you at a good place. We are continuing our study, going through the Gospel of John. This is John Part 12, and we find ourselves continuing in the story from last week in John chapter 5, verse 9. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me? That man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Let's pray. Lord, you are at work, even when the rest of the world is asleep. May your will be done and your kingdom come. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you remember from last week, we saw Jesus heal this man who was crippled for 38 years. Jesus asks the man if he wants to be healed, and the man told Jesus essentially that he really wanted to take a swim in the bubbling pool, but Jesus tells him simply to stand up, pick up his mat, and walk. And that's exactly what the man did. But there is a problem with that. It would have been just fine if it was any other day that Jesus did that. But the particular day that Jesus did this was on the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, also known as Saturday. Now, the Sabbath was supposed to be a reflection of the seventh day of creation, as described in the second chapter of Genesis, where it said that God rested. In fact, the Hebrew word for Sabbath literally means rest. So the Sabbath day was supposed to be a day of rest. But somewhere along the way, the people made the day of rest into a day of burden. Because if you were caught doing any kind of work, even just carrying your coat too far, you would be charged with breaking the Sabbath rules. Can you imagine that? Being stressed out about not resting good enough. What a nightmare. But listen to what Jesus said about the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What is he saying there? Well, it's saying that the Sabbath was made to serve us, 
We were not made to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to meet our needs. We were not made to meet the need of the Sabbath because Sabbath means rest. Rest is a gift to us, and we're not supposed to serve rest. That doesn't make any sense. So Jesus was making something very clear here. He's saying, you guys have completely missed the point of the Sabbath. It's supposed to be rest. This was supposed to be about a holy rest, but instead you've turned it into an unholy stress. So let's go back to our story with the man that Jesus healed in John chapter 5. It seems like Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath on purpose. I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus didn't have to heal the man on this day. The guy had waited for nearly 40 years. Surely he could have waited one more day. But Jesus seems to deliberately heal this man on the Sabbath. And here's the kicker. Jesus didn't actually break any of the Sabbath rules by healing this man. Because what did Jesus even do? Well, he just spoke. He just spoke and the man was healed. But that's not the problem. What did he tell the man to do? Well, he told the man to get up, pick up his mat, and walk. Now that's the big mistake. Big mistake. Picking up your mat on the Sabbath was considered work. And that was against the law. Jesus made this guy break the Sabbath law. And here's the thing. Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus knew exactly what he was telling this guy to do. It wasn't an accident. Think about this. For this man to put his faith in Jesus, in order for him to put his faith in Jesus, he had to go against everything that he had been taught was so important. Jesus does that. We think we have life all figured out. We think we know what's the most important thing in life. But when you find yourself encountering Jesus, he very well may tell you to go against everything you once thought was so important. And also, I think this story might encourage us to not be surprised if whenever you trust in Jesus and he, and he tells you, he leads you to go against everything you were brought up to believe was so important, don't be surprised if you start walking in a whole new way, living in a whole new way that makes you realize that you've been crippled your entire life. As soon as this guy gets up, takes up his bed, and starts walking, a group of Jewish leaders start to chastise him. It's the Sabbath, they say, so it's against the law for you to carry your sleeping mat. And I love this guy's response in verse 11. He just says, well, the man who healed me said, take up your bed and walk. This, this guy is just like, well, that, that guy, he, he, he told me to, so I did. It's that simple. Jesus told me to, and so that's what I did. You can't go wrong with that. But then the Jewish leaders ask him, well, where is this guy that, who told you to do that? But he says, well, I, I don't know. He, he must have left. The guy lost Jesus in the crowd. 
But then I love this. It says that Jesus found him again in the temple. Isn't that awesome? Jesus didn't just heal this man and forget about him. Jesus was still thinking about him, and he made sure to find him. And Jesus tells the man, Look, look at you, you are well. Now sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. We'll talk about that statement in a bit, but let's keep moving in the story for now. So the guy now knows who it was who healed him. So he goes and tells the Jews who questioned him earlier that, well, it was this Jesus guy who healed me. And this guy probably had good intentions. He just wanted them to know just who the person was who healed him. I mean, that's a pretty exciting thing. He was probably excited about being healed. But his good intentions ended up being another piece of the puzzle leading up to the death of Jesus. These religious leaders find Jesus, and they question why he's working on the Sabbath. And Jesus answers in verse 17 by saying, My Father is always working, and so am I. Oh, no. Big mistake, Jesus. He shouldn't have said that. Now they're just going to be even more angry at him. But again, Jesus knows exactly what he's saying. He knows what he's doing. He meant to offend them. Why were they offended? Well, because Jesus was saying that he was equal with God. And because of Jesus' claims of being equal with God, it says in verse 18 that these religious leaders were seeking to kill him. Isn't this something? Someone comes to town walks up to a man who's been crippled his entire life, and in an instant, this man is healed by this stranger. And he's walking for the first time in nearly 40 years. And the people of the town respond by saying, we have to figure out a way to kill this guy. Doesn't that blow your mind? This man comes in and heals the most unhealable situation, and and they think, We have to figure out how to kill him. But you know what? Jesus doesn't try to stop them. Instead, he just keeps giving them more reasons to want to kill him. And eventually, they will succeed in killing him. But again, Jesus won't be surprised. With all of the power of the universe at his disposal, Jesus laid down his life, dying for the sins of the world, even the sins of those who plotted to kill him dying to defeat the very evil that fueled their hatred for him, dying for the very evil that lurks in the darkest corners of our hearts, so that we may be free and find life in him. Trusting in Jesus means that you get to claim his death as your victory, and you get to claim his resurrection as your treasure. We die with Jesus And we live with Jesus. Jesus found this guy in the temple and said, Look at you. You're well. You are healed. So stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Now, what's that all about? Is Jesus threatening this guy? Is he saying, like, hey, you know, I healed you, so you better not go sin again or else I'm going to, you know, 
make you even sicker than before. You'll, you'll be even more crippled than, than before. Is, is Jesus threatening him? No. This isn't a threat. It's a warning. It's an honest warning. But it's not a warning that if he keeps on sinning that he's going to become even more sick. John even addresses this question in chapter 9 where the disciples of Jesus encounter a similar situation like this one in chapter 5. There was a man who was born blind and his disciples ask him, who, who sin made him blind? Was it his parents' sin or was it his own sin? But Jesus said, neither. They were asking the wrong question. His blindness wasn't a punishment from God for his sin or his parents' sin. That being said, his blindness was a result from the sin and corruption within all of us and within the world. And that is why Jesus came to defeat sin and death. He isn't threatening him. He's warning him, saying, You have been healed, so stop sinning, or something worse will happen to you. Well, what's worse? What's worse than what's already happened to him? Well, how about this? A wasted life. A life where you've been healed but you still live as if you're crippled. There's something absolutely tragic about seeing the light and goodness of Jesus and then completely ignoring it. There's something tragic about seeing the goodness of Jesus and rejecting it because it's a rejection of all goodness. It's a rejection of life and a rejection of light. You would rather hold on to what is dead and decaying. It would be like a man who has a beautiful, loving wife and three wonderful children who adore him, but then one day he decides that he would rather run away with a prostitute, leaving his family behind. What good can come from that? He's going to experience a loss far greater than any physical illness. He's going to experience the loss of a loving family. You've been healed, Jesus says. You saw the light. You've been given this wonderful gift, so stop sinning, or something worse will happen to you. That, that sin that you keep on playing with, that sin that you think you can control, that you keep toying with, it's going to take over. Think about the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4, right? Where Cain kills his brother Abel out of jealousy. Cain thought that he could just play with his jealousy. He could play with his jealousy and, and bring it out sometimes and it would be fine. But God spoke to Cain and he said, Watch out! Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you but you must subdue it and be its master. Sin is described as being this wild beast crouching at your door, wanting to overcome you. And in, in the scenario of Cain, Cain was supposed to tame the beast and be its master, but Cain just kept feeding the beast of jealousy, and that beast gave birth to violence of violence that he could not reverse. 
and Cain killed his brother. I mean, it's like a scene out of a horror film when the person thinks that they have defeated the monster, but then it turns out the monster is now controlling their every move. The sin of our hearts is not a domesticated pet. It's a wild beast wanting to devour us. You think your lust is fine and you can deal with it later, but then you find yourself in a broken marriage because your lust devoured you. You think your anger is fine, but then you find yourself abusive to someone that you love because you thought your anger problem was harmless. You think gossip is fine, but then you find yourself destroying somebody's reputation with zero care for how they actually feel. You're numb to it, just wanting to kill more people with your words. You love money. We all love money. We're greedy, and we think that's just fine, and we can bring our greed out every now and then, and just, it's our little pet. But then we live a life where we miss out on the most important things. We end up missing out on the most important moments in life that we can never get back because all we cared about was making more money. We put our jobs before our family. We put our jobs before our faith, and we think that's fine. But then we raise a family who cares nothing about Jesus and treats him like a bracelet to wear for a week during the summertime, but has a life that looks nothing like him in the rest of the year. Jesus is looking at us today and saying, You are well. Look at you. You're well. So stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. He loves you. Come to Jesus and he will destroy your sin for you. You know, we want Jesus just to tell this man, Hey, look at you, buddy. You got healed. So good. You know, you, you're good to go. It's all good. You're going to be totally fine now. But maybe you're thinking, yeah, but doesn't Jesus save me from my sin? Doesn't he forgive me of my sin? Absolutely, he does. To all who call out to him, to anyone who trusts in him, even if it's a tiny trust, he does. He does forgive you. So stop sinning. You're forgiven. What a wonderful thing. So stop sinning. Can you imagine hurting someone you love and they forgive you, but then you keep on hurting them? That's not, that's not how forgiveness is supposed to work. Stop playing with that sin. Jesus defeated it and he forgave you. This isn't to say that you have to muscle up and say, oh, I'm never sinning again. It doesn't work like that. But this is to say that we need to open our eyes to the goodness of Jesus and open our eyes to the new life that's opened up for us in that forgiveness and simply follow him. Stop waiting to die to get your life right. Stop waiting for something to be finished to get your life right. Die today. Die to yourself today and live with Jesus today. Let your prayer be, Lord, I only want you. Every time you find yourself tempted this week, what if you prayed right then and there? Lord, I only want you. Better yet, what if you were praying that prayer before you ever got into that temptation moment to begin with? God is with you. You were not an accident. God purposely made you. 
And I personally, I may not even know you, but I believe in you. I believe in all of you. And Jesus believes in all of you. If Jesus didn't believe in this man, then he would not have told him anything. He would have just healed him and gone on about his way. But Jesus does believe in this man. And he's telling us the same thing today. Hey, you need to stop sinning. Pick up your mat. Get up, pick up your mat, walk. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross, follow me. No longer living in the past, but living in the new life opened through forgiveness. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do hope this was a blessing for you. We'll be posting up again soon. Be sure to check out the uh, notes for any scripture references. Youth Group Radio. Peace out.